Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Uh, We've had a a great week. Um, (laughs) And uh, this morning, we're out at uh, TBM Pacific, um, just recording some programs out there. And God has been really faithful as he always is in his kindness. And, um, and we spent a few days uh, at the Kenneth Copeland uh, convention down at the Gold Coast, which was wonderful, just so inspired by faith. I saw Kenneth Copeland get up last night. And after preaching, like he, he sang, sang, like amazing voice. He's 82 years old, turns 83 in December just sang with so much gusto and anointing, then preached for over an hour, then did at least 30 push-ups on the platform. I'm serious. Touching his toes, push-ups. Like, I can do 15 if I really try. This guy, he probably did more than 30. I just was, after, after about 20, I, lo- I stopped counting and was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> And I looked at that and I went, look at that. For me, that was like, we had such wonderful, encouraging teaching, but I watched that and I went, look at that. He's a man in perfect health, full of strength, at 82, going on 83, not on any medication, fit and healthy and strong because he believes God. I was like, no, I like that. I like that. That encouraged me. So uh, we've been very encouraged. And, um, and we are so excited to know that we serve a faithful God. Amen? Hallelujah. Wow, praise God. Well, let's pray, hey? Hey, wait a minute. Before we do that, give me a wave if you are cold and you would like to. Yes, please turn the air conditioning off. I'm looking at, well, at least at the front, because I'm looking at these women going, oh. And Vanessa, (laughs) all of us. I'm sorry for those of you who are not cold. You can like use a fan or something. Praise the Lord. In the olden days, we didn't have air conditioning. (laughs) You'll be right, mate. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, yay. They went, all right. (laughs) Father, thank you. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hooray, that's a good prophecy. Let's do it again. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I thank you that today we choose joy. We choose peace. We choose you. We thank you, Lord. We reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that our lives have been hidden with you. Thank you that you set us free from sin and self. God, you set us free. Hooray. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrected Christ living in us and us in you. Lord, today we ask for ears to hear what your Spirit's saying to us as a body. God, we ask that you would demonstrate your word with signs and wonders and miracles. Father, we ask for your grace, Lord, for this word that is implanted, Lord, to grow and, Lord, to produce, a fruit, to produce fruit and a harvest in our lives. God, we ask for your help. In the name of Jesus, we ask too, Lord, for everybody watching and everyone who will watch in the coming weeks on television around the world, God, we ask that you would take this word and you'd change their lives. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you turn with me today to Matthew chapter 11. God is so good. Who enjoys the word of God? It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We've been saying for a while now, talking about uh, the statement that they came up for the Westminster Shorter Catechism in trying to answer the question, what is the meaning of life? What is the chief end of man? And the statement they came up with after distilling all the scriptures and working out what, what is the summary of the scriptures explaining purpose of man, the purpose of life. And they came up with this statement, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And it's so beautiful when you realize that's my purpose, that's my plumb line. Then when we read the word of God, it becomes a joyful lamp to our feet. It's not a document that we're obliged to read. It's something we get to have to show us how to fulfill our purpose. This is my purpose, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. And this book tells me how to do that, hooray. It shows me what I've been given power to do as a new creation. It's not something I have to compare myself to, it is the thing that shows me what my new creation life looks like and what's available to me, hallelujah. It says here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, in the second half of the verse here, it says, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. In other words, we see what real wisdom looks like through your actions. In the Passion Translation, it puts it like this, but God's wisdom will be visibly seen living in those who embrace it. In other words, wisdom needs to be more than just a head knowledge. It needs to be something that is applied and producing fruit in our lives. We recognize true wisdom by the deeds that are done. Now praise the Lord, we're saved by faith, through grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And everybody said, hallelujah, praise the Lord, happy dance. Hooray, yay. But it also means that because we've been saved by faith through grace, and we've put on the new man, we will therefore pick up all the tools that are available to us to, to manifest godliness in every aspect of our life, character, thinking, and actions. Amen? That should be just as much happy dance. Yay, hooray, I have power to be godly. Yay, hooray. But again, we have the choice with what we do, with what we've been given. The Bible says that he's laid a banqueting table before us in the presence of our enemies. It's all there, laid out before us. He says, come and taste this. Make sure you pick up the virtue, use that. Pick up godliness, take a hold of that. Pick up uh, all, the, all the wonderful virtues of God. Take, take a hold of it, make sure you enjoy this today. You don't have to live a life where you struggle with anger issues. Pick up the peace of God. Pick up the fruit of self-control. You don't have to try and attain it or discipline yourself into having it. Pick it up by faith and put it on by faith. Hallelujah. We've been looking at Colossians chapter three. And if you wanna turn with me there, it's a 
Beautiful passage of scripture. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other and forgive any grievances you might have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We can pick up all of these wonderful things. He says, put off all the rubbish, yuck. Put off anger, malice, slander, lying, all the yuck stuff. That's not who you are. Because you've been made new. Therefore, that's what the therefore is there for, hallelujah. Therefore, because you have died, because it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you, because you've put off the old man and all the old stuff and you've rejected that stuff, make sure that you actively put on the superpower, the cape of kindness today. Mm, by faith, I'm gonna put on the cape. Supernatural kindness. I'm gonna put on the... The cape of patience. I am supernaturally patient. Can you see my cape flowing in the wind? Supernatural patience, and it's available. He says, put it on, it's your garment, it's your royal inheritance. But why do you have to put it on? Because that is another invitation just waiting for you to lay hold of. I, um, I fried my phone. Yeah, I did. But praise God, I got a new one. And it can do new things. But you know what? If I don't do stuff with the technology that it's got, if I don't use it, it's mine, but I get no benefit from it. In the same way, we've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. But if we don't put it on, if we don't make use of it, then we don't benefit from it. So he says, put on the cape of kindness. Put on the cape of humility. It's not, a, it's not a false try hard thing, it's actually your identity. Like Superman, throwing off my outer garments and here I am, this is real me. I am really actually patience personified. But I can't be deceived into believing that I'm actually the weak human. I've got to remind myself, remember, if I'm a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's because I've forgotten what I actually look like. So he says, remind yourselves, pick it up, use it, put it on, hallelujah. We've been studying these beautiful scriptures. And you can look at scripture all through the word of God and realize it's actually an invitation and a description of what's available to you to use. Hallelujah, in everything, praying in everything with the Spirit, praying at all times. These are invitations and power tools available for you to use, hallelujah. And, but the Lord tells us that wisdom is actually using them. Wisdom is not just knowing they're available. Wisdom is actually using the tools that we have and doing something with it. And I wanna, I wanna share with you today a little more about what it looks like to really live with applied wisdom. 
And we look at these beautiful things, we look at these beautiful scriptures and we go, that's right, that's who I wanna be, that's who I'm called to be. I wanna be patience personified. I wanna manifest the fruit of self-control all the time. Yay! But you know, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't happen consistently. Occasionally, I get a little bit impatient. I know, hard to imagine, but it does happen occasionally. <laughs> and you know what? I think maybe it happens to a lot of people that they think, I wanna be like that, that's right, I know better, I know better. So why is it that we yield to the temptation not to be who we are called to be? You see, we get good teaching, praise the Lord, we got good theology, you haven't, do the academy, hallelujah, he'll straighten you out. And we can know really good stuff. We can know the word of God. We can know, thank God it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I'm a new creation in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am dead to sin, alive to God. I can quote it, I can know it, I can have it, I can declare it, it's mine. But I can still know all of that believe it 100% and still struggle sometimes when temptation comes to lose my patience or to get a bit cranky or to actually be a bit self-centered instead of loving one another. So I wanna talk to you today about one of the reasons that happens and how we can really engage with God to start living as we are invited to live. You know, I really believe that we are entering into a season of personal revival and national awakening. And we are going to see in the coming days a church like we have not seen before. Powerful, pure, spotless. Do you know it is possible to live like this all the time? No, really, it's possible. But the scripture gives us keys and shows us how to do this. Does anyone wanna know what they are? All right, have a look at this with me. Very interesting. Tells us here in Matthew 26, if you wanna flip over with me. Verse 40. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying, he knows what's coming. The next day, he's going to become sin. He who knew no sin would take on the sin of the world and be judged in our place. He knew what was about to happen. And as he was praying, he, he took three of his closest ones, Peter, James, and John, he took them with him and he said, come on, pray with me. And as he goes off, he, he separates himself off a, a little bit and they're, they're in the garden too, but they fall asleep while Jesus is praying. And he comes back and he's like, guys, he says this. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
You know, he went and three times, three times he went to pray, three times he invited them, urged them to pray with him that they, that they would be strengthened. Because Jesus understood that prayer was not an obligation but an invitation into supernatural strength. And interestingly, that very night, Jesus invited Peter to pray with him for three times. He invited him to pray. And three times he fell asleep. Three times that night he was tempted. In fact, he even knew he was going to be tempted. Jesus told him this was going to happen. And then he said, come on, pray that you don't fall into temptation. But he didn't pray. And then that night, three times, he fell into temptation. When he was asked, do you know this man? He, he denied Christ with swearing. Self-preservation kicked in. Because he knew that if he admitted to knowing Christ, he would possibly, probably put his own life in danger and self-preservation and natural desire kicked in and responded to an unholy temptation. Temptation does come. But God says, I'll make a way of escape for you in every temptation. But he also says, watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. Why is that? Now let's look at it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Well, actually, if you read it in the King James, you'd read it like this, that the love of Christ constraineth us. In the Amplified, it says, for the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we're of the opinion and conviction that one died for all, then all died. The love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ is what compels me. What gives me the want to when all of my natural senses are saying, self-preservation, uh, 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 I want to yield to temptation. What, what compels you? I like to put to you, it's not what you know in your head, but it's the encounter of love that you've had earlier in the day that will empower you to say no. Without prayer, you know it's the wrong thing because you've studied it, you know it. It's good stuff, I know it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. But if you took an hour to spend time talking directly with God who comes and says, oh, you are altogether lovely. The, to talk to God who personally stands beside you and says, you are mine, I love you, I'm for you. And you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you to overflowing with the power of his love, then that becomes your motivation to apply what you know. And without it, when push comes to shove, your, your flesh will be weak. Your ability to say no becomes sort of a, a distant thing where it's like, I know what I should do. I know who I am. Yes, I know who I am. But when he's reminded me personally and his words are ringing in my heart from a daily conversation with him, then I am 
charged and empowered to stand, hallelujah, even if it's to my own harm. I have power to stand for righteousness, no matter what might be going on. Prayer is the power pack that enables you to live out the Christian life. Now, prayer, sometimes people think, oh, prayers, you know, I should pray, I should pray. But if you understood that prayer is the thing that will strengthen you, the thing that will keep you from temptation, the thing that will give you power to walk out in life and godliness, the thing that will help you, then prayer would become my life source and my privilege. You know, um, I'm all about the Word of God. I love the Word of God. But without actually combining it with an encounter with the love of God on a personal level, the danger of it becoming a cerebral self-righteousness lingers there. I can become puffed up with what I know and skinny on the inside as far as my spirit goes. God wants the mirror of his face, not just to be the word of God. We never want to undervalue the word of God. Every day we've got to feed ourselves, feed ourselves with the word of God. But the mirror that we look into to remind ourselves what we look like is the mirror of his face. And his invitation is not just for the written word, but it's also for the face-to-face conversation where the Holy Spirit affirms to your heart what you read in his word. When you've heard it from him personally, it's altogether different. When you know I'm not just serving a God I read about, but I'm serving a God that I personally know, then faith works by love. Faith doesn't work by cerebral knowledge. Faith works by love. Who is love? God is love. And when you have a personal encounter with God, then you have the ability to trust somebody that you know personally. It's difficult to trust somebody you don't know. Jesus wants us to have daily bread from the Father that will fill you up. The Bible tells us those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Strength comes when you spend time being strengthened by the one who is more for you than anybody ever has been. When you remember and have your eyes opened in prayer like the servant had his eyes opened when he was standing with the prophet and saying, oh, look at the armies. And the prophet prayed and said, oh, open his eyes. And suddenly his eyes were opened and he realized that there were so many more angel armies around that that his natural view was was laughable. When we pray, God opens our eyes to the fact that God himself is for me. (sighs) I know that, I can quote it. But when I've stood with him in the morning and the afternoon, And I know that you are with me always. You are with me, not just theoretically. I know you're with me because I've stood with you today. 
I've felt your affection today. I've heard your whisper today. <laughs> Who can be against me? My faith then doesn't come from my cerebral head knowledge. It comes from a deep inner conviction that God himself, the God of the word, the God himself is for me. He has spoken it to me. You know, I am, I love you. God loves you. But sometimes, and I look at, I look at the way some families go and some people go and I get a bit concerned. You know, um, Mark loves to quote John Wesley, what one generation tolerates, the next will embrace. And I look sometimes and I think, oh, I get a little bit concerned. And I know we, ha- we live busy lives, but In 2 Timothy chapter three, it says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. We, we read that sometimes, and sometimes Pentecostals go, yeah, I know people who've got a form of godliness and deny the power because they're not into the supernatural, they're not into miracles. I don't think that's just what it's saying. I think it's saying that you're denied, they deny the power that they actually have to live like Christ. In the last days, they'll be lovers of themselves. I think about it. I mean, when I was growing up, Tom and I, uh, as we were, when we were teenagers, uh, it, was, it was just normal. We, everyone was taught that we, when you're a Christian, what you do is you, you pray for an hour every day. It, it wasn't a legalistic thing. It was just, this is like normal. You know, you have a minimum of an hour, hour to pray every day. And, um, and we'd go to church twice on Sundays. We'd do adult Sunday school in between. We'd go to youth group on, uh, on Friday or Saturday nights. On Saturday nights, we'd go to youth group. I'd work at my part-time job on Friday nights. I'd, um, I'd, I'd do full-time uni. And my part-time job, we'd go to um, home group during the week. We'd go to our leaders' meetings. Um, and we'd go to early morning prayer. And it was just normal. That's just normal life. Like, we never thought, oh, no, we have to go to church. It's like, we just, it's on, let's go. And I don't know how we had time, but it didn't seem to be a problem because it was what we did. It was part of what we did, you know, we go to church. But I see some families and they're like, oh, you know, we get to church maybe once a month or so. My fear, even though you might be watching online or listening to podcasts, my fear is for your children. What's it going to look like in the next generation? If you haven't set an example of this is our priority, we're lovers of God. This is what we do. This is how we live. This is what Christians do. We fellowship together. We pray. Do your children catch you praying? Do your children catch you reading the word? 
Do they know that their parents read the Bible, read the Word? Do they know that they prioritize every Sunday, every week? We go to church, we read. We, do, do they know what your priorities are? This isn't a condemning word. Please don't hear it that way. I know people have work. I know, I understand. There is no condemnation for us. This isn't a works thing. But I dare to say to you that if we're not careful, we can become these people who put the love of ourselves above the love of God. We can be really good at having at least an hour to, to drive to the gym, go to the gym, drive back from the gym, three times a week, four times a week, six times a week, we can do that. But can we pray? Can we wait for an hour with the Lord? We can spend hours and hours and hours scrolling through Facebook. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but hey, listen. Can you wait an hour with the Lord? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. You might think, well, I'm not struggling with any big, bad sins. Are you manifesting the nature of Christ in your patience, humility, gentleness, kindness? Are you manifesting Christ in every aspect of your life, every moment of the day? If not, it is possible. But it is powered by your personal encounter that's waiting for you every day in the secret place. Call me old-fashioned, but I think if we're Christians, maybe our lives need to look a little different to the world who have their little centering prayer times. I'm going to focus on me and how I'm feeling right now, have my centering prayer for 10 minutes. Rubbish! They'll become lovers of themselves. God is looking for a generation that will come out from among them and be separate and then go out into the world filled up with his love, empowered, empowered to live differently, to live like him. But it doesn't come just through a knowledge of what he says. It comes through the combined revelation of feeding your spirit by reading the word of God, fellowshipping together and personally encountering him, corporately worshipping him, making him the object of our lives and our affection. People go, okay, but I got all these priorities. Ba, 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 ba. There's two priorities we're called to have, love God and love one another. But, 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 no buts, that's it. Love God, love each other. Oh, but you know, I got it right. Yes, yeah, you can do all of that if you put God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. You have more time than you think. He wants you to have good sleep. He wants you to eat good food. He wants you to exercise. He wants you to take care of your body. But he also wants you to take care of your spirit. And he wants you to put him first and not make an idol of your own comfort. Because when we do, we're not actually comforting ourselves. We're starving ourselves and deceiving ourselves into thinking we're rich and full and have need of nothing. But actually we're miserable, poor, blind, wretched and naked. And we are desperately needing 
to open the door to intimate, personal eating with God so we can fellowship together and become supernaturally strong to apply the wisdom that we have and let the world see that God is real. The Lord's waiting for a shift. The scales are tipping. You know, there's been a lot of legalistic stuff and there's been a reaction to legalistic, you have to do this and do this and do this and do this. I understand we're not about legalism. But I tell you, the overreaction needs a correction. We're not called to be an egocentric people. We're called to be a people who lay down our lives and say, no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in you. Today, my life is given to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. My life is given to love God and to love others. Show me how I can do that today. And today I'm gonna spend an hour waiting on you to strengthen me, to fill me. I'm gonna eat your word. I'm gonna talk to you personally, have conversation. For me, sometimes that, that looks like 15 minutes of praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. I pray in tongues, I pray with my mind because I know the Holy Spirit in me needs to edify me and strengthen me as I open my mouth. He promises me that as I pray in the Spirit, He will pray through me for me about things I don't even know I need prayer for. It's powerful, so I'll spend at least 15 minutes out loud, praying with my spirit, praying with my mind. I'll spend time having my little communion, asking him about the things I need, thanking him for it. I'll spend some time worshiping him, praising him. Thank you, Jesus. I celebrate you for the answers of what I've been asking for. I'll spend some time reading his word. I'll spend some time writing down what he says. And you know, as we, as we are intentional to do this and put God first, it's not a, it's not a sacrifice. It's an opportunity to actually find the fulfillment that you crave. When you feel like I need some, I need to be recharged, maybe Netflix isn't as good as you imagine. I'm not, I'm not saying anything other than I'm saying this. Listen, there's no condemnation for anybody. All things are lawful, but not all things are edifying. But hey, listen to this. Have you considered the power of being recharged in his presence? You need to be recharged. Go and find your space, your special space. I've got my own special space in my room. It's where I, I sometimes I stand at the window and I talk to him. Sometimes I lie on the floor. Sometimes I sit in my prayer chair. Sometimes I sit at my desk. But it's my space. Close the door. Normally let them know. And, um, and when I do that, I anticipate being recharged. And I always am. God wants it for us. Beautiful bride. Your spirit is so willing. God wants to strengthen your mortal flesh. He wants to strengthen your physical body. He wants to strengthen your emotions. Which are not evil. He gave them to you. But he wants to supercharge you, give you power and supernatural strength to live like him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. God, we love you. We give you worship. We give you praise. You are faithful, Daddy. We love you.
Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we worship you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.